I'll tell you what I see when I hear that. What do you see? Oh, we're doing this now? I see... Oh, well, no, I, I thought you were offering to tell me now. That's why I said that. Oh. Well, we'll get to Did it. you hear that? Yeah, we're recording now. I mean, isn't it time for Rob to open up something very loud? Did you get a bag of I, sun chips? Well, can you hear the thunder in the background? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. here too. It's it's everywhere. You're listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 49. Rush out on an uptown train, doors open, and she walks in, she's soaking, caught in the rain, her skin shines like crystalline. This is the Gimme 5 podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining subjects. We discuss pop culture, entertainment, oh dear god. Mildly Why I should. <laughs> yes. My awesome wife <laughs> and a little bit of nostalgia. If my wife doesn't keep on sneaking into the notes, there, she's going to be a little bit of nostalgia. <laughs> that is great. Then, wow. based on our conversation, we come up with the top five list. Things like top five properties that shift a tone, theme, or style midstream, like we did in episode 48. Uh, or top five G.I. Joe vehicles, which we did back in, I guess, January, which didn't seem that, that long. But, yeah. yeah, Stuff like that. Love so anyway, that. I am Greg. I am here with my co-host, Jimmy. Hello. And Rob. I pooped today. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. I'm glad. <laughs> it, it was that time of month, huh? It was. Oh my god. <laughs> and together we are the Give Me Five podcast brain trust. Some oh, of us with yeah. less brain and more trust. So this week we I are going you. to talk about Mission Impossible Fallout. We are going to talk about a new song from the Midnight called America Two and a last minute edition, which means we're going to have absolutely no research. We're just going to kind of make stuff up as we go along. Christopher Robin that Rob went and saw. I did. So, yeah. So this is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. We will try to avoid any major twists like we did last week with Extinction, and I'm very proud of us. So if you didn't It was a great know, movie. You should still check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, it was surprisingly good. So if you didn't know that Tom Cruise does his own stunts in Mission Impossible, or that Greg does his own stunts when falling down his stairs, which I have witnessed, then you might want to pause the show and come back later. It's only happened three times. I don't think I've witnessed the fall, but I think I witnessed the slip and land on the butt. No, you didn't see that. That was the that was the third time. That was the slip and land on the butt happened because the the end of the stair broke and that hurt. That one hurt the most. Mm-hmm. Jimmy witnessed number two. Oh, 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 number two. Yeah, this the second one. The first one, I was I was sick and wrapped up in a blanket. No, no, no. Although I might have as I fell down the stairs, but the the first one. The first one, I was sick, and I was wrapped up in a blanket, and I was the stairs were carpeted at that point, so it had that like curve, and I kind of stepped on the end of the blanket and went down. Were so, you going up or down the stairs? I was going down the stairs oh, God. All, all of the times. Yeah. And then so you went down the stairs very quickly? It, yeah, much faster than I wanted to. <laughs> but so, other than that, Rob, tell people how they can complain about us talking about me falling down the stairs. <laughs> well... As always, you can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. You can also email us, Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. 
And guys, remember, as always, leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. It really helps us stand out. And that five is always spelled out, F-I-V-E, not the number five. Also, we still have a store. I don't think we have toilet seats yet, though. Mm -mm. But you can go to givemefivepodcast.threadless.com. Yeah, you can. Uh, maybe you can get some um, those like sticky sandpaper things that people put on their stairs so that you don't fall down them. Mm-hmm. We might have those. I'm not sure. Whatever they can those. print on, we should have those. I should have those. You just you just buy a bunch of the stickers and glue them upside down on the stairs. Yeah. Stop falling down the stairs, you damn kids! <laughs> Is that thunder? Yes. Was that thunder or Greg falling down the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, guys, you can check out our Amazon link. It's on our Libsyn page, which is you know, wherever our, our posts show up. And if you go to that Amazon page, Amazon link and buy all sorts of cool stuff, then what happens is it's the same price for you, but we get a little bit of that money and we send that right towards server space and band-aids for me and, you know, ice packs after I fall down the stairs and diapers for Rob and video <laughs> equipment so that, so that he can share the, the experience with us. Greg falling down the stairs in VR would be... All right, we don't have that happen. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah, yeah we do. Uh, yeah. It needs to at least be a Vine. Moving along. Vine doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> or, or, a, or a GIF. That works. Yes, I, yes, I said GIF. Oh. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts my soul. Moving along. <laughs> I'll push you down the stairs. Rob. Greg. You're... Anything new, guys? Thank you. <laughs> So Sorry, my... I didn't realize you actually wanted me to move along. I thought we were still discussing this, but go ahead. No, 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 we're moving along. So first of all, Halloween is starting way earlier than I thought it would this year for me. Uh, we had we, just a little thing. Uh, we had promised uh, the little guy, Ethan, that we were going to take him to see fireworks at Disney for um, for like his first week of kindergarten, which starts like next week. Oh, wow. I know. It's crazy. Oh, God. And, Time goes so um, fast. That's nuts. So, so we're like, okay, you know, after your first week of school, we'll bring you to see fireworks. And then we tried to get passes for it. And it was like, everything was grayed out. So at first we're like, well, is there some sort of corporate event going on at Disney? Because, you know, all of, there was no fast passes. There was nothing on the calendar. And it turns out that Mickey's not so scary Christmas, or not so scary Christmas. It's always <laughs> not so scary Christmas. Exactly. Not so scary Halloween party actually begins in two weekends. So I will be starting my Halloween celebrations in August of this year. Wow. Which is not quite as, you know, it's just a little earlier than normal. Not that I am complaining, but good news is I will have a little bit of a review in time for some of you guys out there to possibly plan a trip if it's something that's fun. Yeah, I've been once. It was a really good time. Even if you're uh, just looking to go ride the rides. I mean, all the kids are out trick-or-treating, so it was really short wait times yeah that's what i've heard if you i mean i've done it but if you want to get on any ride with no wait just do it on one of those special events and you can hit most of the things you want without having to worry about it so what else can i can i do this one i think you Uh, should uh, because i hadn't heard about this and i think it's hilarious so two nursing home i love the way this is written two nursing home escapees were found at the world's biggest metal festival that is the wacken open air festival um it's it's probably not as fun as it sounds. You know, I like to picture two elderly people going, oh, man, we've got to go see Cannibal Corpse one last time. <laughs> uh, 
the event is sold out every year and it's absolutely massive. I mean, you had Cannibal Corpse there this year, um, Judas Priest, Danzig, Halloween, uh, Enslaved, a black metal band. Um, and they're, they're, nobody knows how they got in because tickets were sold out. I mean, maybe it was just like, oh, they're old. How cute. Yeah, but right. that's what I figured that some like drunk metalhead was like, I want to see grandpa go. Come on in. Yeah. Um, they were disoriented and dazed by the time the cops finally got to them. Um, so hopefully they're okay. But hopefully they had a good time because they did not want to leave. Yeah, they actually did not want to so leave. Metal. The cops basically had to drag them out of the, the festival and like, you know, stick them in a car and send them back to the facility. God, there was a lot of bands there. Like I was looking through it, trying to find like bands to put on that like news report. And there was so many and half of them were like logos. I couldn't read. Yeah, exactly. Like, Oh, Danzig and steel Panther and Tremonti and a pile of sticks or whatever that logo is. So Vince Neal is there. We are a pile of sticks. (laughs) I mean, uh, I've lost it. There you go. Uh, any other news for us? I don't. You got anything, Rob? No. It was kind of a slow news week for me. Okay. Well, there, there's another little bit of news, but I th- actually there's two little bits of news, but I think both of these little bits of news are going to make it over to our snap. To- oh, there's one more thing. Uh, Star Trek is, yes. uh, there's going to be a new Star Trek show in which, uh, Jean-Luc Picard is going to reprise his role. Really? Yep. Oh, or I guess he is Jean Luc Picard is is the role, right? I mean, yes, Patrick, Patrick Stewart, Stewart is going to reprise the role wow. as Jean Luc Picard. Um, he actually, I'm assuming he's not going to be the captain of the ship, but he'll probably be some kind of admiral or something. Uh, well, he just got back from the Wacken Open Air Festival. Yes, he had snuck into oh. the Wacken Open Air Festival, and he was actually just mumbling incoherently about it. So it might not be true. No, there was a big convention in um, Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. And he walked onto stage. He was supposed to. He didn't just randomly wander like, onto the stage. And <laughs> like the nursing home escapees. Yes, exactly. Uh, with Alex Kurtzman, who is the executive producer of Star Trek Discovery. And they announced that they're going to have another new series. And he basically said, you know, at first he was like, it was a job. Then it became clearer and clearer to me the power of that show, the success of that show, and the benefits that it gave. I never grew grow tired of hearing from people who say to me, your show changed my life. And then he basically announced that he's going to be playing it again. Um, he has not played that role since 2002. Uh, CBS has not yet released details of what the focus of the series will be Jeez. or when it will premiere, but it will be on the CBS all access thing. So yet another channel that you have to purchase if you want to watch. So that was the other bit of news that I forgot to write down, but yeah. well, that's pretty cool. I'm going to have to I'm, wait till all I'm of sure. these episodes of star Trek stuff come out and then, purchase like a couple months of that CBS all access and watch them and then move on. I can't do any more. So is that, is that really how the, the cable companies are going to be, are going to be doing this now? I mean, one, you have to pay for cable, but then to pay for then to get access to all of their stuff, you actually have to buy a subscription to each cable outlet, basically. Uh, not all of them to each cable station. Not all of them, but some of them are like HBO is if you have HBO, you get HBO go, which is fine. So I have a, uh-huh. I have HBO, or you can just get HBO Go, and which is the on-demand kind of thing. Uh, CBS has CBS, but also also CBS All Access, which I believe has all of the episodes of everything that's on CBS, but also a couple a, a couple original shows. 
and I'm not aware of what other companies do. I think all of the movie companies, pretty much, if you have the service for, as cable, you also have it digitally. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure what the other ones do. I think we should probably move on to Snap Decisions because we have a couple of those. Uh, snap decision. So this is what this is. We're going to talk about some sort of news. It doesn't have to be entertainment based. It could be sports. It can be food. It can be whatever catches our mind that is not one of our major topics. We talk a little bit about the news and then we give our own opinion about it. We try to keep it to about a minute and then we get played off with the lovely dulcet tones of Napalm Death. All right. We're done here. Yeah. You just, and that's it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, Jimmy, you have one. Yeah, I do have one, and I actually feel very strongly about this. And you're going to know what my bias is from the very beginning. But douchebag extraordinaire Conor McGregor is back in the UFC. Ah, wait. Oh, he's got a positive feeling about this. I think he does. (laughs) So he's back in the UFC after uh, a, a pretty lengthy time off where he fought... Uh, Floyd Mayweather, um, and, and just all around showed what a real d bag he is. Now, about four months ago, Conor McGregor was stripped of the UFC title, and he was not happy about that. So, what did he do? Like any rational person, you attack a bus full of UFC fighters by throwing barricades and dollies at it, injuring. Two fighters who were unable to fight in that weekend's performance, causing them to lose money. And here we are four months later after Conor McGregor reached a plea deal to undergo anger management counseling. He is fighting for the title that he vacated. UFC president Dana White said that Conor McGregor will not be punished for his actions and is instead rewarded with what's going to be a huge payday. Now, this isn't the most well, he's probably the most controversial figure in the UFC, but you're also talking about, you know, big old wrestling douchebags like Brock Lesnar, who twice failed drug testing. He's coming back, and Greg Hardy has just won his second bout in a UFC-affiliated promotion. Do you guys think this is a good move, a bad move, or what, for a company that I think is fledgling to sell pay-per-views or do you not have an opinion no i do first of all uh or am i there you hearing me yes okay because what you weren't hearing is as you were talking about that was my entire microphone rig fall off of my desk launching everything everywhere and unplugging things and like awesome yeah so it was a good thing i was on mute because you guys would have been deaf but i was able to continue listening to you as you talked so i think that What I think and what I know are two different things in this case. I think that, well, okay, I don't think they should do it is really what I'm trying to say here. I think that people should be held accountable for their actions. And if they are very well known for being violent, i.e. Greg Hardy, or violent beyond the domain of the ring, uh, Conor McGregor and others, then there should be some repercussions. I know that in some cases with boxing, and fighting and, and and MMA and all that stuff that there are the, the weigh-ins in which the people go after each other and that's all to sell tickets. But this was not to sell tickets. Well, I know that sometimes that stuff is staged. These things were not, these were actual legitimate crimes. And I think it's One disgusting. 
Uh, oh, well, and I think it's disgusting to to make money off of that crime, especially when others lost money. All right, we're going to give Rob a minute and ten seconds if well, you have anything to get, say at all. Before I get but started, remember, Rob also question. didn't drop his microphone off of his desk. That's that's true. Excuses, but but before I get started, um, just yeah. just some additional details. Did were either of those fighters who were injured were they compensated in any way? Let me let me double check on that. I. I sure hope so. Because because I honestly if Connor if Connor had to pay them pay them the money that they lost out because of his actions, then you know, you were talking a different story. However, if they got nothing and Connor had nothing happen to him, then it's different. But my thoughts as far as this is concerned is this is a fighting promotion. You're not getting the upstanding, you know, I mean, granted, fighters can be nice guys, but that's not the mentality that you engender in this population. You want the guys that are the badasses, that are the problems, that are the the shit starters, the instigators, all of that, because they make a good show. So somebody who has issues like that is going to be all about this promotion. I mean, and that's who that's pretty much their market. I mean, that's the that's the guys that they want. Um, should he should he have been punished for what happened? Absolutely. Should should he not be allowed to continue fighting? Eh, no, I I don't I don't think because that's essentially what they want and that's what they want to. And I, I don't know that they want to encourage them to hurt people outside of the ring, but you know that's the mentality of the of the fighter that they want, and that's my minute. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I do get that. Should should he should he have to compensate those fighters that were injured as a oh, result yeah. of his actions? Absolutely, he or should have to pay lost. every penny, every penny out of his pocket. He should have to pay to those fighters that he injured and were mm-hmm. and had to withdraw and lost money because of him. There is no question about that. He should have to compensate them. Yeah, well, there's there's yeah, a big good. difference between in the ring and out of the ring. I mean, if a football, if a football player runs down the street or runs down an aisle in a grocery store and tackles someone because they were getting the last box of crackers or something. That's a lot different than tackling someone on the field, you know, mm-hmm. but, but it's they, also, the and, same they, men- and they would get suspended. Right. But it's also the same mentality that if you're, if you're good enough, people will, people will pay you a salary no matter what happens. I, uh, I have not watched UFC in a while. Um, it's, I've been kind of soured on it, especially after, um, Brock labs, Brock Lesnar's last, you know, his antics, uh, I, I think it's all going the way of WWE and we're going to start seeing a lot more celebrities go in there. You know, um, I think Conor McGregor should have faced criminal charges and he was, and he got off easy, um, for what he, what he did. Um, and that, but that's no different than an NFL player or, or an NBA player or an NHL player. I mean, if you're famous yeah. and you have money, the rules are different. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but yeah. Uh, should he be banned from fighting forever? No, but he, I at least deserved a suspension, you know, a year or two. Um, and it was only been a few months, four months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, no, I, I don't want to see guys who are, uh, you know, doing awful shit like that, uh, in a promotion. So I'm, I'm not going to watch UFC ever again. I'm not going mean, to start watching UFC watch so here's mine. Speaking of things Rob doesn't watch now, um, but I actually do want an opinion. Uh, so the Oscars. My opinion is you're wrong. Okay, that goes with that. Um, so today the Oscars, this is earlier today. We record on Wednesdays. Earlier today the Oscars announced that they are going to have a new category 
And this comes on the, the tail of it having um, one of their lowest rated shows. So their new category is going to be Achievement in Popular Film, which they haven't said exactly what it means. But I'm guessing it's going to be movies like blockbuster movies. Uh, the reason why they're doing it, of course, because the highest rated Oscars ever was one of the biggest blockbusters ever. And that was which one, guys? Avatar? Nope. No. Uh, Jurassic Park? Nope. Avatar was a closer answer, but it's not correct. Uh, Wayne's World. Yes, Wayne's World. <laughs> Wayne's World 2. Did not live up to it. It's first one on the on the ratings. No, it was uh, Titanic. It was the biggest Academy Awards ever. Mm-hmm. So basically, as they said, the new awards purpose is clear to make sure the box office biggest money makers have a chance to walk away with Oscar gold, which also basically means that there's going to be the opportunity for Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, and, well, probably not Transformers movies, but Jurassic Park movies, we'll say, to potentially win an award other than special effects and or sound editing. So... Rob, the questions are going to be a little different. Rob, as someone who doesn't want, you know, art, uh, doesn't want people just congratulating themselves for doing their job. What do you feel about this new new award and the fact that now movies that are not just, um, you know, socially uh, qualified for the Oscars to, you know, win? Um, I I think it's a it's it's a uh, not a band aid, but I think it's it's a half hearted uh, attempt because I I think that that it should be it should be the the best movie um and they they tend to look too much at the social value of a movie or you know the the meaning behind the movie and it's like you know if if a movie is considerably better than than the next best up that you know had a had a social commentary on it that movie should win regardless i mean and and one of the ones I remember it being was um, I think it was um, the Hurt Locker that came out opposite that that was challenging Avatar at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Was it Avatar that it was challenging? Yes, it was. Um, and you know there was this there was this big campaign to to not let the big blockbuster win. But I mean, in all honesty, Avatar was a really good movie, and the fact that it was backed by a big budget shouldn't hurt the fact that it was a really good or shouldn't take away from the fact that it was in fact a good movie. And it shouldn't be penalized because it had a bigger budget than something like the Hurt Locker. Yeah, and there was also there was another little thing in there too. There was a controversy in which it was James Cameron versus his ex-wife as directors. Oh yeah, I remember and that. James Cameron, I think, said something. I don't think he meant it belittling because I mean, if anyone knows how to make good women superheroes, it's James Cameron um, or women heroes. You know, he did what he helped with Ripley, and he did uh, uh, Terminator Two, Sarah Connor. But he said something about like, oh, it was a nice little film or something like he like they said he belittled her. And I don't think that helped. It's funny because I, I think of it the other way around in which like Saving Private Ryan did not win because of Shakespeare in Love. And that's crazy because Saving Private Ryan is a better movie than Shakespeare in Love any day of the week. Any, any right. year. But it was ever. also it was also the blockbuster. So it was it was hammered because it no, had it was a the larger se- budget. And that one was a different one. It was the second year in a row that Spielberg would have won. Because he would he won for Schindler's List the year before, and that's what hurt him. Right, people like so, oh we don't want the same. Yeah, studio. So, and that's and that's my problem with the Oscars is it's it's not usually the best movie for the year. It's well whose turn is it? Oh no, that movie had too much of a budget. Oh no, we can't do this. We can't do that. We have to make sure that this person gets an Oscar. We have to make sure that that person gets an Oscar. So it's totally biased. the 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 Oscars are complete crap. Because it's completely biased, and it's whoever's turn it is, and you can't have a big budget, you can't do this, you can't. I don't ever watch the Oscars. I, it, yeah, 
I think next next Oscars we should do a thing like did win should have won for like the past like ten years or so. Like look at all the movies that won and look at the the ones that came out that year because it's mm-hmm. it might be aligned in some ways, but I'm guessing there's a lot that won't be. There's a uh, forgive the term, but there's a lot of uh, Hollywood masturbation in these movies where they're if the movie is about Hollywood, it tends to win. Mm-hmm. Like La, like La La Land, which in no way did I think deserved it. But anyway, I'm still trying to figure out how Coco beat The Greatest Showman for best song. I don't understand that. Didn't beat it in in making money though, so that's all that really matters. Uh, Jimmy, do you have an opinion? Since we've kind of talked, uh, no. Okay, I don't. I don't really care. Um, I'm I, I'm excited for people like Guillermo del Toro when they win. Um, I think you know those are surprising moments. Uh, Jordan Peele. Um, I think you know those truly talented guys and and gals out there who are deserving of the Oscars. Great for them. That's a great personal achievement. And um, uh, uh, that oh, we've added a new category for big budget films is not going to make me in any way want to watch it anymore than I already do, which is like none. And, and timeout. I don't yep. know if you can, I don't know if you can oh. add this back into news, Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jimmy just reminded me of a rumor that I heard just this week while I was at Christopher Robin. Okay. I don't know how true it is. Go ahead. But there's a rumor that Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro is going to be directing the Disney version of Haunted Mansion. I will buy my tickets I don't right know now. If that excites Jimmy. Uh, I sure hope so. I don't know if that excites Jimmy or not. Yeah, but was this rumor from? Was, yeah, this, uh, a rumor. was this rumor from random dude sitting in front of you, or from like someone that? Uh, the rumor was from Jen. Okay, not a random dude sitting in front of you. No, and she she had. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I don't know where she me. had heard. Yeah, I know. I don't know where she had heard that from. But she had said that the rumor is is that Guillermo del Toro is is uh, being pursued or lined up to direct the Haunted Mansion, the live action Haunted Mansion. Please do it, uh, Guillermo del Toro. I know you're listening. Please direct that movie. Jimmy and I will offer up whatever. You, if you need a place to crash while you go on the ride, you can stay at my house or Jimmy's house. You can stay at my apartment. There you okay. go. Well, I think that Jimmy Jimmy will not creepily end up standing over your bed in the middle of the night. No, Jimmy will definitely end up happen. standing creepily over your bed in the middle of the night. But. Wake up! I just be like, wake up, and I just be like, I I just wanted to know if you talked in your sleep. <laughs> Share with me your secrets. You look so peaceful. Do you want some? Just standing there with a cup of water, waiting for him to wake up. Do you want some water? <laughs> no, I mean, all I'm saying is, everyone remembers the chills they got when they saw George Gaines win the Best Supporting Actor Award for his portrayal of Commandant Lassard in Police Academy. That's all I'm saying. Did he really? No. Oh. I mean, yes. And I got chills. We all got chills. Well, let's... I think we should talk about some music. We just did some movies. Want to talk about some music? Let's yeah, let's it. talk about some music. Okay. And for the first time, I believe, on the show, we're going to play a little bit of that music first. Uh, we, You played some Pearl Jam. I did play some Pearl Jam. Unless, of course, this is a lawyer listening and Pearl Jam's lawyer listening. I did not play any Pearl Jam. No, we did not play Pearl Jam. I'm fully expecting to get a bill for like $400 million from Napalm Death. (laughs) 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 Anyway, so Jimmy announced what we're going to be talking about here. We are going to be talking about a new track from The Midnight who you hear at the beginning and end of every episode 
And yes, we did talk about another one of their tracks very recently, but this one is called America 2, number 2. So that, first of all, if you guys like what you heard, you, you can always it. track it down on, um, well, one, it's available on YouTube. It is on all of the other streaming services. And of course, you can buy it on Bandcamp. Yep. Again, that is America 2, as Jimmy said, the number two. And the band is The Midnight. So we briefly talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but decided to save it. Rob, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I I can. Um, okay. I... I j- I just listened to it recently, um, and it's it's got a very easy listen to it. Um, but like I was telling you, I, the what I see in my head when I'm listening to that song is I see like an '80s like like love montage kind of thing, you know, with like the guy looking over his shoulder, smiling at the camera, and the girl like flipping her hair, and then they get in the car and they go for a drive, you know, one of those types of montage. Is the guy definitely wearing some sort of headband and, like, a sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off? No, he's got, like, long hair. Uh, like a mullet? Okay, cool, cool. No, okay. no, 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 not necessarily like a mullet, but, you know, like, long, wavy hair and kind of hangs down in front of his eyes and he flicks it over when he looks when he looks over his shoulder at the camera and then the girl, you know, flipping her hair and, yeah. Okay, I can... I, I like it. Greg, do you I, I, I actually do. I... He pictures Jimmy. Very Andy. orange. I, I visualize it like a late summer day when the sun is going down and it's kind of hazy and dusty out. Um, and there's got to be some palm trees there. Definitely about a 1984 Firebird with like... That was a pretty good year. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured. <laughs> that's why I picked it. 1984 Firebird, like, you know, perhaps yellow with, with uh, I don't know, something like that. And uh, I can see Love Montage as well. But yeah, that's, that's what I've got. What about you? I see a guy and a lady cruising down the Pacific Highway with the wind blowing through their hair in a convertible of some sort. And the kind of shot that you can only get from a helicopter in those days, not from a drone. Yeah, yeah. Possibly a white suit jacket. Um, What's his name from Miami Vice? Don Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, Uh, Crockett. Not quite Crockett or Don Johnson. But maybe for the guy, not long hair, you know, for the lady, definitely. That's what I see. It makes me wish we had like a fourth host that was like way off. I see a man preparing a body for burial. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, that... Okay, Steve. <laughs> yeah, this has been the Give Me Five podcast. Thanks for listening. That would be Kerwin. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> like completely differing. Excellent. It makes me see anger. <laughs> what? Now it's, you know, this song, the first time you played it, the volume wasn't up very loud because we listened to it in class. And 
I w- I was catching the wrong notes, like, and it didn't really line up very well with the the words to me. Because like I was only uh, hearing like the highs or the lows or whatever. Um, I've since listened to it probably four or five times, you know, just to to absorb it. There's a few things. Um, again, very smooth vocals as usual, and the as we've said before, the the lead vocalist also does uh, it's Americana music or some people say folk music and whatever and. You can catch a lot of that in the storytelling of the Midnight Songs, which is what one of the yes. things I love about them. So, like, you know, even a lot of the stuff on the first album has, like, they'll paint pictures about these characters in the songs. Like, between Jason and whoever the song Nighthawks is about, all those songs. Like, there's such a, the story is painted so well. And this one, I believe it's kind of two stories. And I I, re, I like really reading along the lyrics to this song as I was listening to it. And that's what really grabbed me specifically. No, it's funny that you say that um, because I feel the same way too. You, you can totally picture where he talks about, you know, pawn my guitar and drove all, you know, we just went cruising. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very, um, it's a very innocent kind of like young love kind of song. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's just, I think it's, it's a good track for all ages, which is a weird thing to say. Well, there's the word shit. In it, which I did not realize till we just played it on our show. Yeah, he does say that. <laughs> nah. But regardless, um, it's a it's a very like Rob says, it's a very easy track. Um, Laid back. Yep, yep. And it really just shows off Tyler Lyle's voice. Uh, he's got a unique voice. There is no aside from kind of pushing some of the the other vocals to the back. There's no real manipulation. Mm-hmm there like we talked about in lost boy and some other tracks yeah where they do so, the vocoder thing on some of the song on some of the songs i am mm-hmm. waiting for a link to appear here uh the artwork for the song if you want if you happen to well purchase it it's you can see the artwork on Bandcamp if you're attached to them on twitter mm-hmm. or instagram i'm sure the artwork's there and it is so cool it's like a, a mall that's like very late 80s early 90s and it's like it's got like an arcade and as a pizza place that has like a little sign on it says permanently closed, but everything is neon and glass blocks. And it looks like every place when I first moved to Florida, looks like every place. It reminds me, um, Rob, you'll know this, the, the mall that used to be where Meisner is. Cause you, you lived there for longer. Um, was it the, yeah, the my, Meisner park? Yeah. But the mall that was there, like it was like Boca mall or something. Oh, it was, there was like a mall I way know. out there. That was like the mall that never, no one I, ever went to. Yeah. I, I never went there. I never went there. Yeah, I went to it once and I saw summer school there in the summer, which was awesome. But the artwork, I'm looking up the, I'm trying to, the artwork was done by an artist named Aaron Campbell. And I've got to check out more of his stuff. It is so cool. It does. Although oddly enough, when I first heard the song, it didn't line up with the artwork quite as well as I thought it would. But other than the fact that the word America too is there in, uh, I believe it's Magneto font uh, for the graphic design nerds out there. But anyway, uh, it does kind of paint a little bit of a picture, although all of us kind of went with the outside in a car route, not the very pink and turquoise mall route. I think what they're doing with each of these releases, they're revealing a different picture from a mall setting. What was the if you look at Lost Boy? What was the Lost Boy one? I'll have to look that up. I'm doing it right now. Yep. It was, yeah, it was, it was a mall. Um, but it was the... It was more of an eight to sixteen bit one. It also had the same font, actually the Magneto font, and it had like those two like metal bar, like the things that make sure you're not stealing CDs or stuff. Mm-hmm. It'd be a, like robot overlords. 
centuries. Yeah. Yes, like in uh, the little in, guards at the door. like in chopping mall. Imagine getting yeah. arrested now for stealing a CD when you could like literally do it alone in your room. Yeah. Anyway, I worked at Target and they uh, some kid was trying to steal like a Yes CD, which was really weird. <laughs> but it was like you, um, and they like they were like Jimmy, hold him. I was like, what? But I had to go in and like sit in there as they interrogated him for stealing CD, and I was just like, oh man, this sucks. Can I can I leave now? Meanwhile, you had a trunk full of like Kenny G and Peter Cetera CDs. Damn right. <laughs> You're just waiting to get the security key thing to unlock the cases. <laughs> anyway, so that was the midnight. I think that's you know really what we have to say about it. Um, you, know, you guys will probably get a lot more out of listening it, listening to it, than listening to us talk about it. But we like to you know help the bands that have helped us. Yeah. Check them out, support them. You know they they support us. Um, Tell them to come play in Orlando. Did, yeah. Have 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 we determined whether or not we are their favorite podcast? Not yet. They haven't said anything. <clears throat> are yeah aren't aren't they the ones who replied? No, that was gun. That, that was, was gunship. Gun oh, that was gunship. Yes. Okay, I'm terrible. It's okay. All right. Well, um, I actually had the opportunity to go see another movie, uh, Christopher Robin. And for those who don't know, Christopher Robin is basically the story of Christopher Robin after he's grown up and left poo. And, and the hundred. <laughs> it's important to know where he left it. That's a very weird thing to make a movie about. After he grew up and left Winnie the Pooh and the Hundred Acre Woods. Oh! Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Um... I it, the the movie really didn't appeal to me. It, it wasn't on my must see list, but Jen really wanted to go see it, so we went to go see it. Um, and it's it's got it's got a really hook vibe to it. You, you remember the movie Hook? I've never seen that. Really? With Robin wow. Williams? Yeah, it was yeah, pretty great. I it's, remember. No, I, I had too much yeah, revealing of stuff last episode. It, I don't know if I should reveal any more <laughs> this episode. It's it's actually it's actually got a hook vibe to it, except mm-hmm. that it doesn't have any of the action or I mean it's got a little bit of comedy, but not like the same kind of comedy that you have in in Hook. I I really mm-hmm. felt that it was like lacking certain things. Um, the movie the movie was was essentially good, and if you're a fan of Disney movies and you're a fan of those types of movies, you you'll enjoy it. Um, it, it it didn't really do it for me. I just didn't I just didn't have enough. Like most of the comedy came from from Winnie the Pooh and his compatriots just just not understanding the real world because they end up in the real world. They they go through the the portal, if you will, to the real world, and it's them talking and people freaking out and them un- not understanding how how things work and and the way things are done. I mean, all in all, it's kind of like Rob, the way Rob felt when we made him listen to death metal that one time. Yeah. Yeah. All in all, I mean, it's, it's an okay movie. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay the full price to go see it in the theater. I really did like the art direction for the characters, the way, like the, the versions of the characters they used. I thought they're really cute. They look kind of soft and cuddly and a little older. They, they, They definitely do. They did a great job with that. It was just, you know, he, he was he was trying to meet deadlines. He was working with a boss that was like kind of adversarial and didn't want to help and wanted to like throw him under the bus and not do any work and was piling all the work on him and 
Quebec and it was all about Not him overcoming that and and trying to get his work done and growing up and having responsibilities and not really letting those responsibilities go, but kind of finding his childhood again, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it was okay. I, like I said, I wouldn't pay full price to go see it in the theater. Definitely, definitely get that hook vibe. Um, how long was the movie? Because it, it looks like it could, it looks like it could go either way, like an hour and a half or I, 15 hours. I want to say that it's, I don't remember the exact length of it, but I want to say it's right in the neighborhood of two hours. Seems pretty standard. Where Was yeah. there a, a scene after the credits? Yeah, um, Captain America shows up with Agent Coulson <laughs> and tries to recruit Christopher Robin to a superhero team. It's an hour and 44 minutes. You showed up with the Infinity Chunkla? Yes, yes, the Infinity Chunkla. <laughs> I love that picture. Um, um, you know, the... Okay, so I was going to see that movie this weekend, and we were going to we were going to take Where Ethan you? to it, but I read somewhere that was very dour. They said it was like very kind of dour and down in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and I thought that it was. anyone that's gone to a movie with a five year old or a young child, there's a few things that completely ruin it. And if something starts off slow, you're screwed. And if there's like really any trailers, you're screwed because you get that like if the kid has finished the popcorn before the trailers are over, you are doomed. So we, we try to get there like a little later, but I, I was a little scared when I read that it started off slow before the cute little like furry animals show up mm-hmm. that I was like, eh, maybe this is a, yeah. a rental. I think so. I did find there were a, a couple, there were a couple of trailers before it that I was interested in, but I, now I don't remember what they were. Yeah, there was a couple I saw too of them when I, for Mission Impossible that I was like, Ooh, that looks good. Uh, I did find out a little more information on the Guillermo del Toro thing. Um, he has been on and off, right? He has oh, been really? on and off writing on a mansion movie. Since at least 2010, um, he is a huge Haunted Mansion fan, and it, in between working on this, he has ended up writing other movies. You know, Pan's, well, Pants Labyrinth, all these other things. Um, of course, Pants Labyrinth. Pants Labyrinth um, it's just a maze made out of jeans, yes, pants. The, the shape of water beds. All these movies. Um, so he did. He wrote a bunch of other things, but the difference now is that he now has that Academy Award to his name. Which means that pe- that it's way more likely that Disney will be like, okay, Academy Award winner Guillermo del Toro is going to do this movie, which gives Disney more of a reason to do it. Or, or you know, they don't need any more reasons that he's one of the most brilliant creative minds to ever make a film. I mean, do you need? And he sleeps more like an that? angel when I watch him. Oh, I mean, or so I've heard. <laughs> oh, I don't remember one of the trailers. All right, what do you got? They, they had an extended trailer that I hadn't seen before in front of uh, Christopher Robin for The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Oh, okay. And I, it it looks like a very enjoyable movie, and I probably will be going to see that as soon as it comes out. It looks out. very awesome. tonally for me like the Goosebumps movie because Jack Black is in it. Yeah. And, and there's a new Goosebumps movie coming out as yes. well. That was another yeah, trailer, yeah. I think, that was on it. Yep. With the uh, the dummy. I so want to go back and read those because I know I could like read one in a couple of hours. I wonder how they stand up. When the last movie came out, I looked online to see if they had like a box set of all the books. And apparently there was one at some point that came out and it was so expensive. It's like, nope. <laughs> it's like hundreds of dollars. Not that interested. Yeah. yeah the trailer for, um, well, the trailers in front of Mission Impossible, a lot of them look really good. And as I was, we were kind of saying off air that the, uh, it seemed like the same actors were in a lot of them. It was like, I saw one trailer that had like two actors and then like the next one had one of those actors in it. And then the next, 
one had like some new actor from the first movie and another one. Um, one of them being, I guess, Kyle, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, one of my favorite all-time TV shows. Yeah, also from Early Edition, which was yeah. a really good show. And uh, Kyle Chandler is uh, an, another crush of my girlfriend. So to see him in two trailers, she lost her mind. Yeah, so First Man, okay which is going to be about the moon landing, mm-hmm. which I think, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen a lot of moon landing movies, but I think this one will be interesting because it looks like it focused kind of what it's like to be, it was like to be on the inside. Like that shot of the door closing and everything going dark, like you kind of forget that it wasn't like there was LED lights and stuff like that back then. Like when they closed the door, it was dark, you know, like they didn't know what they were they were basically going to be in just a tube firing in the sky. And I thought that was really kind of interesting and claustrophobic feeling. It it was. Uh, it it looks pretty good, I think. Rob, did you see that one? Um, no, I don't think I did see that one. Which one, you know, which one did you see that really caught your attention? Um, one, one that I've seen a couple of times now that caught my attention. I don't remember which movie it was on, but I think it might have been Mission Impossible was Mile 22. The, uh, okay. the movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Lauren Cohen. And Tony Ja. Yeah. If, if special you're, ops team trying to move the guy through the city or whatever. Yeah. It it, it looks pretty good. Um, if, if So if you're not familiar with Tony Ja, Tony Ja is a uh, international martial arts superstore. Superstore. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you go to buy martial arts. Yeah, that, Come on down to Tony Ja. You can get all your, your, your geese and training staffs. At Tony Jaw's House of Martial Arts. <laughs> Tony Jaw. Tony Jaw. God. Uh, Tony, Tony Jaw's. Tony Jaw's Martial Arts Superstore. Man. Uh, All right. So Tony Jaw uh, was in uh, the movie Ong Bak, and that dude can straight up whoop ass. Yeah, he can. So, yeah, I, I'm interested to see that. I will have to, yeah, I have not seen that trailer yet. Um, the other one that really caught me was uh, uh, Overlord, and it looked like a straight-up World War II movie until it wasn't, and it had, like, it kind of starts with, like, a D-Day thing, and then it has, uh, not Back in Black, what's, is it Back in Black playing? What song was playing, Jimmy? No, it's Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells, that's what it was. And then it... <laughs> Uh, that one looked really cool. In fact, yeah. I w- the, when I was in Mission Impossible, the theater was very annoying. There was de- I was next to I was in front of the guy trying to impress his girlfriend, and he wasn't funny. And then oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And next to the person that didn't understand what was going on, um, and behind the other guy who was trying to impress his friends but wasn't funny. And that was so like nothing was cool enough for them with the trailers. Like everyone like did the like oh yeah it's whatever dumb screw that, and you knew they were all going to see it anyway. But this is the the one that like all of them like were like whoa that looks cool and someone like the one guy was like oh that's a cool title so um, yeah for me Overlord I, I've seen things about it I've seen headlines about it I've seen articles about it and I, I just I was like huh eh. I it wasn't until I saw the trailer that I was like yes I'm going to see that it oh starts is out, that the the World War Two's like zombie movie yes J J yeah. Abrams. Yeah. Okay. There's a. Okay. It starts with a very predator esque scene in a helicopter, um, and I'm like, okay, this is this is another war movie. Mm-hmm. 
and then it goes all Wolfenstein. Mm-hmm. Not with the like making you shoot your dog or anything, but uh, that was not on the air. <laughs> we talked about that. Oh, <laughs> anyone uh, who's played the Wolfenstein Two video game knows what you're, knows what he's talking about. So there's there's your Easter egg out there, guys. All right, so we're gonna quickly move on from yeah. that. But you have but seen, the, it, Rob. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen that one. I, I just wasn't. I, I I had to look at a picture of it to to remember that I'd actually said because I was like, oh yeah, it's World War Two with zombies. Sweet, okay. And JJ Abrams, which is the um, biggest thing. Yes, and Bad Robot. Yes, but two two of the other ones that that I think I I think I just mentioned it. I I think we recorded it. But one of the ones that that intrigues me more and more every time I see it is the house with a clock in its walls. Yeah, we did. We did talk every about time that. I see a trailer for that. I'm like, I'm like that that, that looks like it might be good. I think I might have to go see that. But yeah. one that's looks a little better that, every time. Uh, yeah, one that I'm intrigued by. I'm not sure how good it's going to be. I mean, it might end up being like a wrinkle in time. But the uh, the one for the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Have you seen those trailers? Nope. I have once, but I don't remember anything about it. It 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 looks kind of interesting. I might I might have to check it out. I was never a bit. It's weird. I was never a big fan of those like like all ages like fantasy type movies until like much later in mm-hmm. life. Like I didn't like Never Ending Story. I didn't like. Um, what were some of the other ones back then? Because you're a yeah. communist. Until and I didn't like Labyrinth back then. I didn't like the Wizard of Oz Part Two, which is because it was horrifying. Um, the Return yeah. to Oz with, with uh, the hallway full Parousia of Ballet. heads. No, they, yeah, that ruined my life. <laughs> but and then, so I don't really see a lot of those movies till afterwards. Hmm. I don't. Know, but there's a lot coming out that we can. There's one more Godzilla. Yep, the trailer again and yet again. Also with Kyle Chandler. Yeah, still confused. As to why destroying the world is the only way to save it. Um, yeah, and and I finally saw that trailer, and I'm like, that it, it doesn't make. I don't I don't get it because you're absolutely right. They're literally like, our world is dying. You know, we're we're having a problem here, and then they're like, our only hope is the mon- is the the king of monsters. So they release all the monsters, but then they're trying to kill them. I think she is going to be a villain, is what I think. I think she's going to be like a like a Greenpeace type crazy environmentalist type. Right. I mean, but the whole thing is, is, you know, even, even if your goal is population culling, the fact that uh, if I'm not mistaken, at least even in the trailer, she's part of the groups that are trying to fight the monsters. And I'm like, I don't under, I don't understand what's happening here. I, the, the world is dying. The only cure is to release these monsters that kill everybody. And now we go fight them. But here, here's what? the deal. I don't care about the plot. What I want, like, they could literally have, like, Michael Cole or whatever his name is, who's the guy, the let's get ready to rumble guy, like, come out, hit a bell and say, okay, Godzilla is now fighting Mothra, and then just let them fight for an hour and a Michael half. And I'm going to. Bruce Buffer. Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer. Michael so Buffer. He could go. His brother is Bruce. To the, the International House of Martial Arts Objects and the Martial Arts Superstore. Tony Jaws. <laughs> he could. Tony Jaws Martial Arts Superstore. <laughs> he could buy a. A bell. Ring said bell. Yeah. People would be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Ring said bell and just let them fight. And I'd be equally as entertained as some convoluted plot of, you know, people releasing the the giant creatures to save the world. The giant fire-breathing creatures to save the world. Yeah, but but that, that being said, I think it's a, I think it's a bigger problem, a bigger glaring error if you do a crappy plot as opposed to doing a movie with no plot because your movie is just monsters fighting. And if you're doing monsters fighting and you don't have a plot, I'm okay with that. But if you're doing a movie with monsters fighting 
And then on top of that, you throw a garbage plot that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to be able to focus on anything except your shitty plot, and I'm going to hate your movie. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to one good point. Give give me the movie with the monsters fighting and no plot, and it'll be okay. But if you give me a movie with monsters fly, fighting and a plot that makes absolutely zero sense, I'm going to be like, what the f, dude? I, I'm going to I'm going to point out the the glaring thing that we have gone completely off our own plot while making a point of, mo- of yes. movies with, but. While then making an actual point, um, I had the opportunity to watch some of the Transformers movies with five year old, mm-hmm. and he was asking. Bumblebee looks stupid. Uh, see, I, I think Bumblebee looks better than all of the other ones combined. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hoping Bumblebee can correct what happened with the others. I like the Bumblebees on a smaller scale, but as I was watching these movies, you know, the, the five year old was asking questions, and usually he'll ask questions about movies like, "Why is he doing that? Is that the bad guy? You know, that type of stuff." How did the robots pee? He didn't ask that one, but he was asking questions and I'm watching these movies, which I've seen a bunch of times because giant robots fighting. I didn't have the answer. So like, well, why is, why is that happening? I do not know. <laughs> well, who's that guy? I'm not sure. Is that a good guy or a bad guy? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, he just punched Bumblebee. Shut up, kid. No, it's like, well, he just punched Bumblebee. So I think that's a bad guy. Like they, they are another movie series that just give me robots fighting. Give me giant things. Yeah. Fighting. Let's go to our actual nope, nope, uh, here. Nope, not yet. Uh, damn it! Hey, sorry. Go. Do, do your thing. Uh, this is very important. Okay. You guys liked Kong, right? Skull Island. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Okay. So. so you know what Godzilla's setting up, right? Spoiler alert: If you don't have the internet, King Kong uh, versus Godzilla. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited for that with Kyle Chandler. With Kyle Chandler, it's going to be, be badass. I'll be disappointed if they if they put as little effort into King Kong versus Godzilla as it looks like they're putting into Godzilla King of Monsters. Or I'm excited. or the wrong effort. Not not well cuz it looks like they're putting effort in it's just they're retarded. They're stupid. Um <laughs> the, I, 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 don't, they, I don't hopefully that makes more sense for me. I, who cares? I don't know. Show me Godzilla fighting. <laughs> I'm King sure Kong we already, will be talking it. about it when the movie comes out. It's true. And and we'll we'll do a review, and I'll sit here and slam the movie for reaching too far and not even attempting to make sense. And Jimmy will be like, "But Godzilla!" <laughs> Guys, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to talk about Mission Impossible Fallout. Nah, I don't think so. Okay, Fine. so Mission Impossible I guess we Fallout. Can talk about it is the sixth yeah. Mission Impossible movie. Series is aging well in my eyes. Oh, it's, it's getting really better with it. age. I really enjoyed it. Like, really enjoyed it. I had less to I complain did. about. <laughs> less to complain I, I enjoyed everything except for the people I was sitting with around. I didn't, wasn't sitting with anyone. So Mission Impossible, of course, has all of the same people from most of the other Mission Impossible movies, and... I'm not going to sit here and bore you guys by reading off that list. Uh, it is directed by and written by, that's the one thing I did want to look up, which I did not. But he's the guy that wrote uh, Usual Suspects, which I thought was very Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, I thought that Usual Suspects is a great movie, even if it stars Kevin Spacey. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who uh, wrote Usual Suspects, uh, wrote uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which I actually just watched again the other day. Um, Another Tom Cruise movie. Oddly enough, wrote The Mummy, the new one, which not so good. 
another Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, but he has directed. Uh, the, the reason he knows uh, Tom Cruise so well is the first thing time they worked together was Jack Reacher. So Jack Reacher, uh-huh. Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation, and Mission Impossible: Fallout. And I believe he is probably going to be on board for the inevitable seventh movie because this one had the biggest opening of any of the Mission Impossible movies, from what I saw. Did it really? And yes. it was very, very good. Yeah, I I loved it. Um, I saw the, the the movie, and you guys know if you're listeners, I always mention this first. Um, I saw that the movie was two and a half hours, and I said, "Oh crap, that's gonna hurt." Mm-hmm. But holy crap, it did not feel like two and a half hours. Nope, oh. that movie See, was it did so. For me. Did it? Yeah, there there were definitely parts of the movie where where. I was a little bored, um, and and I'm probably alone in that. But it, it, yeah, it, it did feel like it was two and a half hours for me. I, I, don't get me wrong; I enjoyed a lot of the action sequences. The action sequences were absolutely amazing. They had a lot of like really good comedic lines in it. But there were parts where, for me, it just kind of drug a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you're entitled to your wrong opinion, but <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, totally, man. I, I get that, but. For me, I know, you know, I, I can feel a two and a half hour long movie. Um, Greg, you mentioned this earlier that if your, your child was done with the popcorn before the movie started, then you're in trouble. Well, we were done with our popcorn, um, pretty much. And I knew that, all right, I've, I've got to go get popcorn now. I went and actually got a refill during the opening sequence. Wow. The title sequence. We were done. Um, hmm. And then I, you know, hunkered in. So did you actually see the title sequence? Like the motion graphics thing? No, no, I ran out and I There's got There's one thing I, I need to see refilled. it again because it had clips. It actually kind of, I mean, it was very, very cool, but it had like clips playing within the letters of Mission Impossible and stuff. And I don't know if those clips are from past movies, if they shot action sequences for the clips, which would have spoiled the movie, but it was very like MacGyver. Like they've actually, like I haven't seen them play clips of the characters doing stuff in the opening sequence in a long time, if ever. Like, the thing they used to do in TV shows. I thought that was really weird. But uh, let me do the quick, just, you know, brief summary. Um, so there's a failed mission at the very beginning of the movie. And I'm this is very brief. We're not going to go into every single plot. Uh, they basically, as part of the failed mission, they lose something very important, and it is a, it is plutonium. Three spheres of plutonium, which they're very like not at all careful about carrying around outside of the case. I'm not entirely sure. The one scene they're playing basketball with a thing of plutonium. Yeah, one of them's like they're just like throwing them around, <laughs> juggling. Got a chainsaw in there. It's like what the hell? Come on, guys. Yeah, it's it, that was like they were like not only like waving a wand around it that could tell that it was radioactive, but also like taking it out of its sealed container a lot. But I'm not a nuclear holding it scientist so i do not know if that's dangerous but anyway they they lose these these things which i it was kind of a comedy of errors how they lost it so i kind of thought that it was something they did on purpose because sometimes they do those like well we really lost it on purpose to try to catch the person that was trying to get it kind of thing but we'll get to that uh they go to try to track down someone you know related to this thing leads to an awesome fight scene which i'm sure we'll talk about later they have to in order to get this stuff back, they have to do a prisoner rescue and they have to rescue Solomon Lane, who Tom Cruise, I guess uh, it was famous now because it was in the trailer, but famously let live at the end of 
the previous Mission Impossible, uh, Rogue, was it Rogue something? Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation, yeah. Um, I think all, it's funny, all of the Mission Impossible movie titles sound like techno songs from like the early 90s, Rogue Nation, <laughs> stuff like that. But anyway. Um, I watched the documentary on Zombie Nation. It was really fascinating. Huh. Anyway. That's that. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, the one that they play in like every soccer stadium. Yeah. But anyway, they of course find out that there is a turncoat in their midst because it's a Mission Impossible movie, and that wouldn't happen without it. And it leads up to a very tense ending involving helicopters, nuclear weapons, and stuff like that. And I of course left out a lot of little things in between. Superman. But, hey, we of course did a spoiler warning, so if you got this far, you've probably seen it. So. Um, let's just talk about various things that we noticed. Um, what, you said Superman, so what did you think of Superman? Henry Cable was badass in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a mustache. Famously. A famous mustache. Um, he really respected and admired Ethan Hunt. Not at all. I, you know, uh, they were best friends. They... Uh, went on capers together and they uh, braided each other's hair. No, Henry Cable was badass. And man, um, <sighs> Tom Cruise, crazy, crazy man, uh, doing his own stunts at what is he, 56? Um, I was waiting the whole movie for, for the jump mm-hmm. and to see how it affected him after. And he ran through that damn office building after he broke his freaking ankle. Say what you no, will about the guy he's dedicated to his craft. No, he he did, he broke, right? He, he broke his ankle. He broke it, and then he ran through he the office. His ankle. Well, no, I heard that he broke his ankle on the on the fall off of the motorcycle, where no. he hit the front of the car, and he did no, the, he the, the... No, he jumped from the roll. scaffolding and missed the jump, and he, his, his foot hit the wall and broke forward. You can see it in the film. And then he pulls himself up awkwardly uh, and then limps onto the roof. And then runs through that office building. I think they had filmed that part before. Oh, okay. Um, which was a, a funny line. Um, it was a funny sequence where Simon Pegg's character. What are you waiting for? He's, turn left, turn left. He goes, what do you mean now? He goes, yeah. Tur- oh, wait, no. I had it upside down. Turn right. Yeah, he's holding up a tablet that he's watching like a map on. And then he goes, uh, what are you waiting for? And Ethan Hunt says, I'm jumping out of a building. And Simon Pegg goes, oh, right, right. Sorry, I had it in shoot. And he's like three stories up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that uh, Tom Cruise running sequence that has to be in every one of those movies. Um, the Yeah, the break was crazy. Like, I didn't know that before. I knew nothing about this movie, really, other than some of the trailer stuff. And when that jump happened, everyone in the theater went, oh, I guess a lot of people knew about it. And I went back and watched. Yeah. They have a, a special clip online it's from some british talk show where they show it to him and you can actually see it see it break and he said that he knew he he knew it was broken immediately so just as soon as that happened he's like i have to finish out the scene because i'm not gonna be able to do it like i'm not gonna be able to do this again so he had to like act it out and they they did have to stop production for a little while um you also mentioned the the mustache and that was the 25 million dollar mustache because they had when they decided to reshoot some of Justice League of America, it took $25 million to edit that out, according to some sources, which is crazy. And the story, um, this is from, uh, I found it on Nerdist, but I, I saw the number of $25 million a couple times. 
So I'm not sure. I'm not going to be able to watch a video about it right now. It probably just went on fiber. And uh, yeah, that explains why it looked like that. I guess what they were going to do is they, he had already, uh, Henry Cavill had already started rec- um, filming this movie, Fallout. And then they called him back for reshoots. And the JLA people were like, well, we'll give you guys $3 million to like adjust some of, they figured out it was going to be $3 million to adjust the shooting schedule to like shoot around Henry Cavill for until his mustache grew back, which they assumed was going to be about three months. And then Paramount stepped in and was like, the hell you will. So it was like, they were going to do it where they just let him shave his mustache and then grow it back. And Paramount said, Nope, we have a deadline to meet and we're not going to take any risks. We have insurance involved and everything. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I kind of liked that the mustache was there at first. I was like, what's the big deal when you first meet him. And then when he turns out to be like a major league douche canoe, I was like, okay, the mustache fits. <laughs> uh, let's talk. You said he was a badass. Um, yeah, because he up until that point, yeah, he like, kind of seems like a bumbling moron. He's gonna just you know, oh, there's a lightning storm. Now parachute anyway. Tom Cruise is like crap. And, you know, he almost he almost dies. And yep. you know, and then of course they get to the bathroom fight scene, which was such a great scene. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, I just the, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, oh god, Tom Cruise. Oh god, ow. But I, I don't know what to say. I, I mean, it was a, it was a great fight sequence. I'm wondering, the, this movie was rated PG-13, I think. Was it? I think so. Go on. Um, kind of pushing it. <laughs> well, I thought the reason I mean, why... I guess they didn't really show it's PG-13. a lot of the core. It's PG-13. Yeah. Well, that's why I thought it was interesting. Because if you noticed, the guy gets shot in the face, and they talk about him not having a face, but they never show him. But they show the puddle of blood yeah, on the can ground. Can you still make the mask? I need a face to make the mask. Yeah. And they show the puddle of blood on the ground. But at the same time... Even though there was a puddle of blood on the ground, there was also no scratches or cuts on them, even though they had been in this fight where they were thrown through walls and whatever. And that's when I was, that's when I realized oh, this has got to be PG 13 because there, there's very weird rules. Like the blood can't be too red. It can't be dripping over an inch from the cut. It's like very, very strange, antiquated rules. And that's the point I was like, oh, and that's the one thing I noticed in this movie is like there are some, death-defying feats. There's some crazy fights, some big hits, some whatever, and, like, little to no blood other than, like, some sca- some scabs after the fact. And that's, I think, one of the, the downsides to a PG-13 rating. Yeah, I see that. But I, I still felt like the brutality was in that fight. Um, there was even a joke there where a group of hooligans or club, whatever. Like, French know, club was, goers. Yeah. They walk in and they see, you know, a couple of pairs of shoes and they're like, oh, ha, ha, you know. Um, but it was a very clever, you know, sequence to hide the fact that they were trying to scan this guy's face to make a mask to access a meeting mm-hmm. that this guy was having with uh, the, the the white widow. Yeah, I liked her. I had never, I had, yeah, she was good for multiple reasons. One, I had no idea who she was, actress wise, and she looked like a lot of different actresses. Yeah, she she looked familiar, but I I don't know that you know who she looked like. Not now that I'm thinking about it, because I, I still don't know who her name was. But she looked like Marjorie. the uh, the camera the camera lady from um from Hunger Games. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. She, okay. She, was, she was very unique looking, and um and Vanessa Kirby is her yeah, name. and she's a, a British actress. She's in the TV show The Crown. Um, but I thought she was really good. I mean, she's only in three movies, um, well, for, and a lot of TV, but. 
I really, I, I just like that character. I thought that was kind of, kind of a cool little thing. I thought we were going to see her in that one sequence and not really see, see her again. It was kind of true. She had a few other appearances, but I think she'd be a cool, she's kind of a cool addition to the series. Yeah, I agree. They kind of go between, you know, the British government. And she was kind of a standout to me because she, because she was really unique looking. And the other two female leads actually look a lot alike to the point of where there was a couple times where I didn't know which one it was. And I know that's my own silliness. Like I kind of forgot about some of those, the past like loves of Ethan Hunt. I did too. Yeah. So it was uh, a yeah, Michelle Monaghan and uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. They, a, they looked a lot alike, alike, especially in that scene where they were standing there side by side. Yeah. Like in the doorway of the, the hut, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hospital. Yeah. Anyway. At the end. Yeah. E- Ethan definitely has a type. Yeah. Cause if he was, if he's been romantically involved with both of these women, that's actually what I wrote on the notes here. <laughs> Ethan has a type. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of people that I, look a lot alike real quick, uh, in both of this movie and rogue nation, uh, I thought that the villain was Daniel Brühl, who is, was, uh, in Avengers two and a couple other things. And I, I totally thought it was him with a beard. And I was, I went to look him up afterwards and I'm like, Oh, not him. It was, uh, Sean, mm-hmm. Sean Davis, I think is the, uh, was the, uh, Sean Harris was the villain. Totally thought it was Daniel Brühl with like reddish hair, but I didn't, right. uh, I don't know who that is. You'd know him if you saw him, but anyway, um, I, 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 love that I will film. say, I I will say that the while I enjoyed the movie, there were definitely a lot of things about the movie that I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Like when when we first meet, when we first meet the villain, I leaned over to Jen and I'm like, he's the bad guy, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and and when they um when they trick the bad guy, I, I'm trying not to give too much away, but when they trick okay. the bad guy, I know what you're talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, no. They tricked him. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, like, they, okay. that was only like one or two minutes. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I saw that coming. The one that I didn't see coming was the introduction of Rebecca Ferguson or Michelle Monaghan, whichever one it was that was at the at the, um, the Monaghan. Monaghan is the one that's at uh, the camp. The doctor, the Doctors Without Borders the, lady, the ex girlfriend. Yes, ex wife. Yes. Yeah, I didn't see the introduction of Monaghan. Um, but but also of note, I think that was one of the areas where it kind of drug a little bit for me. The the whole going to the camp, I was like, "What are we doing? All right, wait, are we are we still driving?" Okay. It was it was like all the walking in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and now we're now we're looking around. Okay, all right, long exposition. We're gonna talk. We're gonna introduce people. All right. I didn't think I didn't think that sequence now was what? was like. Short at all. I didn't either, but based on Rob's description, I just pictured a bunch of hobbits walking. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it, it slowed down for me at that point, and and I will say, I was I was kind of disinterested enough that I timed it when they were like, "Oh, we've only got you know ten minutes left." I don't know why movies do that, but how, how that long? ten minutes took twenty two minutes. By the way, <laughs> I was like, "Did you time Wait a it?" Minute. I did. I did. I looked <laughs> nice. at my watch when they said that. I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's see how that's, that's how, that's how disinterested I was at that point, because that was when they were, when they were doing all the walking and stuff and all of the exposition. And I'm like, all right, let's see how long that takes. And I looked down at my watch and it, I don't think it was 22 minutes, but it was, it was definitely significantly longer than that. It was definitely the longer than the 10 minutes, than the 10 minutes of, 
or 20 or 15 minutes, I believe 15 uh, that they had promised for the, the, this is like after yeah. the bomb has been activated. Now there's a couple things. One, yeah. I, they always do that in movies where it seems like way longer and they'll also like pause to do something else in the middle. But I, some of the things with editing is this stuff is happening at the same time. Simultaneous. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I get show. that. And I would, I would need to watch it again just to try and time out the, the sequences from one interaction. Yeah. But like I know me, you know what I mean. Like I know they're supposed to be like the best of the best. But like if I th- I saw the distance of the the two cases away from each other, and I was like, it would take me fifteen minutes to walk one of those things down to the other one. If that's in fact what they're doing, it would t- take me fifteen minutes to unscrew the screws on some of those. Yeah. But um, we we actually skipped a major major part in the middle that I thought was beautifully filmed. And I'm not usually a car chase person, but the car chase was great. Oh yeah. And it was kind of a two part. Was... It was kind of a two part car chase, which I thought was even better. Like when you just got a chance to take a breath, then a motorcycle girl shows up and uh, it goes again. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually oh, very very <laughs> car chase. There, there's Rob a, is yawning while talking about a car chase. I, I oh no, totally did. There's a there's yeah, a part where you guys will uh, you guys will know this, and without giving too much away, there's a part where Tom Cruise jumps, Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, whatever, uh, jumps into a bush. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a spoiler. Um, when he's trying to get away from the, you know, authorities, he jumps into a bush and I'm just like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> Cause it's like, oh, you can't see me now. I'm in a bush. What is this? Assassin's Creed? Yeah. <laughs> but it was very clever how, um, that sequence mm-hmm. resolved itself. I kind of want to go I'll, to I'll wherever see. that was and take a look and see if that's like a real thing that they have there. I don't know. Maybe. It was fair. People listening to this are going to be like, what What are they talking about? Yeah. Go see the movie. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was, I love the, the escapes and the various like little tricks and whatnot that they pull throughout the movie. And then of course the, the end sequence, which had the now famous helicopter battle. Oh God. <laughs> I feel like Rob's going to have that, problems. All right. Let me say this real quick as, as Rob Stews. Um, my theater going experience was very different from yours. And uh, I, I have to say it was very pleasant. Uh, again, Mine I talk about well. this a lot. Um, at, at one point, I'm looking to my right, and there's a woman, like, holding her hand in midair. Like, she was holding her cell phone. And I was like, this this lady is recording the movie. <laughs> and it was during the I, – I think it was during the helicopter chase. I could be wrong. But I'm like, come on. Don't do that. And – it was made aware to me that no, she stopped like mid grabbing a piece of popcorn. The entire audience was like totally glued to the movie. Um, so it was, it was, it was very funny. She's just holding her hand midair. It's like wide eyed staring right at the screen. Mm-hmm. Yep. That pretty much had everybody like that. Yeah. Cause I, I was, you know, moving around getting comfortable and they, my theater now does the assigned seats. So. Not only was I, I was kind of locked into that seat for the most part, but with all those people. So, you know, it was kind of, you're kind of shifting around. Then that part started and I was like just zeroed in and, you know, it was at stunts and on top of it all, the, the timer that may have been the longest 15 minutes ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my palms were sweaty. My palms are sweaty thinking about mm-hmm. it. It was just super intense. And I thought it was funny when, you know, Ethan Hunt gets in the helicopter and he goes, okay, okay, so power, power, okay, what, uh, hmm, hang on. It was just like, wow, he, yeah, Tom Cruise is flying a helicopter. Why not? 
There's a couple. There are a couple things. What the heck? That are very cool about that sequence. One, they filmed it. Over, it took them a long time to film that sequence, and they just they got as much footage as they possibly could. They got the actual, you know, stunts. They got the training. They got the the rehearsals and everything, just because they knew whatever footage they had, they were going to have. And the initial edit of that was like an hour long of just that sequence on purpose. And then they trimmed it down, and then trimmed it down, and then trimmed it down, trimmed it down, until the uh, the crowd was understood what was going on but wasn't annoyed in the fact that it was, in fact, not 15 minutes, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, there's a whole article about it, and I hope that the... Yeah, because there would have been no excuse for having an hour-long chase scene when you've only got 15 minutes before the bomb explodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the fact that you know he really did those stunts, and I thought it seemed weird when, he's, when he jumps on the rope hanging from the bottom of the helicopter to climb up, and then climbs up it, and then slips and falls a little bit and lands on like the supplies... And climbs up again, and they, I was like, "This, why does this look different?" And I read some article somewhere that pointed it out. They actually show his face the whole time. They don't cut to that long shot that you always see of like the person hanging on the bottom of the like the ladder on the bottom of the helicopter for like the whole sequence. Because um, usually that's what they do. They'll show that shot of the person. They'll, you'll show the person jump on the rope. They'll show the person hanging on the bottom of the thing and climbing up from a far shot because it's a stunt person, not really Tom Cruise in that case normally. And then they'll show, of course, him grabbing the, the strut of the helicopter, pulling himself up or whatever, which is a when they actually put the actor back in. But this was Tom Cruise the whole way. So they actually, like, kept the camera on him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was interesting. Like, it's a different feel. Like, the whole time, it, there was a few times where he, like, missed something. And you could tell it was because it was really him. Like, he missed the rope when he tries to grab it. I don't know if you noticed that. When it first starts taking up, he reaches for it, and he, he yeah. hits it with his hand and misses it and then grabs it. And that makes it so much more realistic and so much better than had he just done it perfectly the first time. And that's, that is one of the reasons I really like the movie. Cause I was like, wow, like there's real life circumstances in some way. Um, obviously he had like straps on and stuff, but that was really cool. Uh, what'd you guys think of it being a nuke type situation? That's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's, I mean, we're... The, the whole terrorist thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's believable. Okay. I'm just, I, for me, they, they didn't like nuke the fridge or anything. That's so, what, like usually when when a series goes with the nuclear bomb, they've kind of run out of ideas, and I felt the opposite with this one. Like they have the nuke nuking the fridge, as you said. Um, even like twenty four blew up a California city with a nuke at one point, and then like never mentioned it again in subsequent seasons. Like you'd think that'd be kind of a big deal. Um, so yeah, like in this case, like I'm saying, I I didn't mind it, but it was definitely something that when they started talking about nukes, I'm like, oh boy. But they, I think there was nukes in in rogue nation as well so um so what else do you guys got i was actually talking with my mic muted but on the subject of tom cruise doing his own stunts and focusing on his face it it, you know there's a a part of the chase where he's on a motorcycle and he's flying you know he's flying through these parking structures and everything and there's a part of me that i was just like man that's actually him like dude oh man slow down <laughs> yeah exactly like i you're crazy 50 man, years old but i don't i don't want you to get get hurt like he just doesn't age it seems like i don't mm-hmm. know he's pretty awesome okay so it seems like all three of us really liked it um did we have anything else to chat about before we move on to the question i don't know i think that pretty much uh, covered it yeah. i mean i i enjoyed it i did have issues with it but it, it was still an enjoyable movie I think this is for me one of the series that from 
episode from the first one through the sixth one, I think that every one has gotten better than the previous one. Poss- possibly flipping four and five, but I have to see them again. Yeah, I'm more excited for Top Gun two as a result of this now than I was before. Yeah, and I really hope to see uh, another volleyball scene mm. with as many people in cutoff which, scenes. Which one was the one that took place in? Which one was the one that took place in? That Dubai? was four. I did not like that one. Yeah, I liked it. I had too many problems with the uh, senior citizen bad guy outperforming Ethan Hunt, super secret agent. Yeah, so like one was one was like, the this guy's, this guy's gotta be like one was the low key one, two was the John Woo one with all the motorcycle like and doves flying in slow motion, three was the Philip Seymour Hoffman one with uh, the Vatican, uh, mm-hmm. four was the the Dubai one, five was was Rogue Nation with the uh, Sean Harris bad guy, and then this then this one. I have to see the last two again. I haven't seen them, well, I mean, probably since the theater. No, I actually own both of them, so I've seen them. Actually, I have not seen uh, Rogue Nation. I'll have to bring it in. We are talking about spy movies, and you can't have spy movies without having spy gadgets or weapons. And that is sweet, where our... Sweet, gadgets. And that is where our Give Me Five question of the week comes from this time. It is, what are the top five gadgets or weapons from spy or espionage movies? And as and you said, gadgets. About the, the mouse from Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned when you said gadgets, I immediately was like, "Oh, did I miss any from Inspector Gadget?" I, I mean, helicopter helmet would be cool, or hat. That'd be neat. But anyway, uh, I Jimmy, mean, I, uh, yeah. it's your it's your lot in life to go first. So, you know, <laughs> it is. Um, so my top five are as follows. Number five is going to be the neuralizer from Men in Black. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. And that could be higher. I, I don't know. It's the little wand that they wave around to erase people's memories. So, uh, <laughs> I actually looked this up. I, it's just so great. It's the ghetto blaster <laughs> from mm-hmm. 1987's bond, bond, uh, 1987's bond film, the living daylights. Um, it's just a, it's a boom box that you carry on your shoulder and it, it shoots rockets. Mm-hmm. That was the fish out of water James Bond, wasn't it? Like, wasn't that the the one that like? If I remember, if I, remember I think that's that one. I, I don't remember all the older James Bond movies, but there's one where he was Maybe like fish out of water, like where he wasn't in his usual like James Bond, like hopping from exotic city to exotic city. I don't remember. I think the Living oh. Daylights was supposed to be like the one where he was like, you know, hang, basically hanging out with the boombox is really the what I'm getting at. More of an <laughs> urban set, more of an urban setting. I think would be the what I'm getting at. Well, that was the Timothy Dalton era, which yeah. is uh, not the most popular, but in my opinion, one of the coolest gadgets. Uh, number four, number three, the Omega Seamaster Professional Watch. It's the watch laser slash detonator that's appeared a couple of times. Um, I remember using it in the game Goldeneye to break the lock on the train to escape. Uh, I hated that uh, part. Oh, oh. It was great. I liked the watch, but I did not put it on my list because of that stupid game. I could not get past that part. Yeah, you you didn't know. It was like, wait, what am I supposed to do? I, I just wasn't so, I wasn't coordinated enough to to move the laser around that square without like messing up, and then uh, it was timed. So my number two and number one are uh, kind of related. Uh, number two is the voice changer from Mission Impossible. Okay, yeah, I like that little like the little sticker thing. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's let's go hypothetical here. Uh, I'm going to combine the voice changer 
with the mask printer from Mr. Impossible because those can't exist without each other. Yeah, they do. They do. One of them comes out of the other one. Not a word, Rob. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) my number one, uh, it was going to be my honorable mention because, uh, you know, why not? From Austin Powers are uh, sharks with laser beams on their heads. Freaking laser. Freaking laser. Freaking lasers, yeah. Yeah. So that's my five. Did those ever actually show up, or does he only talk about them? Did they show up in the third yeah, one? Yeah, they only talked about them, I think. Uh, no, maybe they showed up. They're in one of those animated movies. I think, like, Despicable Me 3 or something. But Okay. Well, I, I think I usually go second, so I will do it. Um, okay. One of which I thought was just a really cool idea was there was, like, a projection screen from Ghost Protocol where they were trying to do something in the end of a hallway, and they put up the screen that projected just the end of the hallway so that they could basically hide behind it and do stuff. Uh, was that a, almost made my list. It was a very cool visual, and if I remember correctly, it got shot, and then you could like saw see panels like flickering out and stuff. Um, so that was that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number five. I like any of the contact lens computers, and they use those in a bunch of different movies, but specifically in Rogue Nation, where it, he's scanning the room in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. He's scanning the room, and he's able to like do facial identification and stuff using these like contact lens computers. Yeah, I read a uh, mm-hmm. a brief snippet on that. It was Shazam for faces. Oh. Yeah, that's true. That's that's basically what it is. I was thinking, like, was that possible? And then I'm like, they always do this, and they show, like, when they show it, it's always, like, on the cornea. I'm like, well, you wouldn't be able to see it if it was over there. But whatever, it's cool. Uh, the umbrella from the Kingsman. You know, bulletproof's got, yes. a, got a... Ah, good one. Yeah, it's, it's basically a bulletproof shield, but it basically projects what's going on on the other side, so it's also a camera, and it is a weapon as well. And when it's folded down, it is you know, a, a melee weapon. And it's just a very cool visual, and it fits the the style of the Kingsman. I, I matched up with, with Jimmy and the mask printer slash scanner slash vocoder thing for my number two. And my number one is the Aston Martin from James Bond, which basically gave us some of the first looks at a car phone, because the first time you saw a car phone was in there. Tire blades were, you know, the, come out of the hubcaps, built self-destruct modes, smoke screen, ejector seat. It's really the first time a lot of these things happen in a beautiful silver Aston Martin that has just been reproduced as a Lego set as of August 1st with all of the gadgets. It has the blades coming wow. out of the tire. It has the, the little bulletproof panel that pops up, you know, behind the, the outside the rear window, um, the little fake smoke screen thing. It is gorgeous and should be, should be given to me by one of our listeners. Damn. Yeah. Alrighty then. So that's my number one. Well, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and give mine. Um, I I had a uh, I had a, a an item on my list that I ended up crossing off because I was like, oh, it's really cool, but I'd be I'd die. The uh, the invisibility cloak in one of the Pierce Brosnan movies that that covered his car that just seems like a recipe for uh, an automobile accident to me <laughs> because I would not be able to control it and I would people wouldn't see me and I would end up driving into stuff. Um, but I will say the, the number five on my list is, and and Greg will kind of groan when I say it, but it's the the X ray glasses <sighs> because I'm I'm that guy, yeah. <laughs> but it let him see everybody who had like weapons on, but it pretty much just penetrated the first layer of clothing. Um, yeah, I I had a uh, then at number four I had a crossover with with Jimmy, and I went with the Neuralizer from Men in Black. My number three 
is going to be the Lotus Esprit from James Bond, the submarine car. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, almost made my list. Yeah, that was that was pretty sweet. My number two is again I, I share with uh, Jimmy the Omega Seamaster, the the watch laser, super awesome, stupid hard to control watch. But my number, <laughs> but my number one was the was the bulletproof umbrella from Kingsman. That that thing was just freaking Ooh, awesome. Nice. It had so many settings. It had like it, it was like a, an AR. It had a stun gun. It had a beanbag. It would transmit the vi- the visual from the other side, and it was like. Then you use shield. it to like is like a zip line, like the hook of it, if I remember correctly. I, I know some of you does that, but yeah, I think he did. I think he did at one point, but yeah, it was. It might have been one of my favorite weapons from the from the movies, the umbrella, because I just thought it was so neat. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about Kingsman when doing research for this, so. That's, uh, I think that one's definitely going to make our definitive five. Yeah. I think let's definitive five it. Do it. Okay. So let's see. I can, you guys can hear me, uh, typing away over here. So we will have umbrella in there. Not as number one, probably. I said umbrella. I'd put it in number one. I did put it at number one. (laughs) I, I mean, I think that's fine. I think number two should go the mask, uh, printer slash, uh, voice. Yeah, I'm so surprised you guys didn't get the Austin Martin on there. That's like, it was 12 of the movies. It completely, like, I mean, it led to the the game Spy Hunter. It, okay. Yeah, I never had a car. They never had a car phone before in a movie. They'd never had the tire blades thing, which you see all the time in movies. You know, the smokescreen thing, the oil slick. That's all from that car. All right, so you've made your point. That's number three. Are you okay well, with I'm that? Gonna, I was going to organize yeah. these after we pick the five, then kind of move them around. So we'll figure out where we are. Okay, so we got Umbrella, a mask printer, Aston Martin. Um, what other things do you feel definitely need to be on there? Hmm. The watch was on both of your guys' lists, so I think that needs to go on there. Yeah, yep. so was the Neuralizer. Yeah, I think that could brand out four and five. That's, 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 you still see that as more, like I thought about that one, but it's that's a little more of a sci-fi gadget. Like I don't see that movie as like secret okay. agents personally. Okay, so what do we want to do, Rob? Um, well, the Seamaster was uh, definitely on both of our lists. Well, yeah, it is. It's number four. I mean, number five could very well be something in there just for fun, and it could definitely be sharks with freaking laser beams on its head, on their head. It could be, if you guys are okay with that. I'd almost argue that the Ghetto Blaster. Yeah, see, and I would, it, as far as that last spot, I'd say the contact lens computers, because that's a total spy gadget. Yep. Okay, so true. sharks listening to Ghetto Blasters while wearing contact lens computers. Yes. So we'll go with contact lens computers. Sure. Or sharks wearing them. Um, watch, I think, is perfect at number four. Um, I think people will be upset if Aston Martin isn't number one, but maybe people will email in angrily yelling at Rob. There you go. That's fine. Angrily yell at yep. me. For the Aston Martin at number three, the mask printer at number two, and the bulletproof weaponized umbrella from the Kingsman and Kingsman 2 at number one. Okay. I think we're good with that. Uh, so that was our list yep. of best gadgets from secret agent movies or spy movies and we want to know what your list is so email us at rob you you just did the, the contact information go ahead you can email us give me five podcast at gmail.com and uh you know there's i guarantee there's a lot that we missed because we didn't even probably catch all of the the spy movies much less yeah because there's ones you know that came out before james bond there's you know all sorts of stuff and all of them have gadgets we didn't. We didn't have any stuff from like the Get Smart movie, Top Secret, um, Top Secret. There, there were there were all kinds of spy movies that we didn't really have stuff from. Mm-hmm. 
Like Kramer versus Kramer. Wait, no. Spy versus Spy. Oh, wait. It's not a, that's a divorce movie, not a. That, no, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, that's episode 49 in the books. And you know what comes next. That's right. The ever special episode 50. And I think we've got a decent surprise plan for you for episode 50. Um, we've discussed several times on this podcast our love for the movie The Lost Boys. In my opinion, one of the greatest vampire movies ever made. Agreed. I think it's made some of our lists three times, four times. I, I believe um, it has. I believe you are correct. It. But I believe that uh, Jimmy set up a special surprise for you. Jimmy, you want to talk about that? Sure. So we talked about very recently um, kind of a resurgence of the a weird kind of it was the 31st anniversary for the Lost Boys. And we got tracks from the Midnight and from Gunship. Mm-hmm. And the Gunship track actually features saxophone by the sexy sax man himself, Timmy Capello. And Tim Capello was in the Lost Boys. He was um, the sax oil, player, the oil down sax man. Yeah, um, on the on the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, I still believe. Um, I reached out to him today. He wrote back and said he'd love to come on the show, which is awesome. awesome. So boom, so I, awesome. To be honest, I've never ever. I mean, I've known the name Tim Capello, but I never expected to open up my email and see an email from Timmy Capello. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, He's referred to as Beach Concert Star in the Lost Boys credits. Star. Yeah. Wow. So he, you know, by all accounts, is is just the nicest guy. He's always smiling and all of his pictures. He's always happy to talk about his role and. Uh, you know, we're very excited to talk to him, not just about his role in the Lost Boys, but his, uh, first solo album just came out this year. Oh, so, yeah. Really? I'm gonna have to, yeah. I'm gonna have to pick that up. We are. It's called Blood on the Reed. And, you know, we're very excited to talk to him about that in addition to his time on the Lost Boys and, uh, his recent collaboration with Gunship. Mm-hmm. So I can't Fantastic. wait. You know, you put one of those those emails out there and you don't really know what to expect if you're going to get a response at all. And uh, it's always so awesome when they're right back and say, yes. I, I can't wait, man. I'm super excited. Yeah. Very Lost Boys heavy episode coming up. So for those of you who haven't seen it, what's wrong with you? And second, what's, what's wrong, wrong with, with you? you? Seriously. <laughs> but why? So now that you know it's coming up, if you haven't had a chance to see it or if you haven't seen it in a while... Go back and check it out. Um, if you have any special questions that you'd like us to ask, send them in. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to get your feedback um, and and have a chat with Tim Capella with us. Yeah. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Jen watches that stupid show, the, um, uh, what is it, Southern Comfort or whatever, that's, that's yeah, basically no just a bunch of rich, privileged people acting terrible and everybody, and they think that everybody wants to watch it. I don't know. I don't know why she watches it, but there's that one girl on there that insists that it's pronounced La Croix. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not correct. It's pronounced. No, you have Croix. to say La Croix. La Croix. Yeah. Like you're, like you're clearing your throat. But the, the company says that it's pronounced La Croix.
and they help by saying it rhymes with enjoy. So LaCroix is the correct pronunciation of that. When you're, oh, oh, when you're the, speaking what's the about correct the pronunciation of correct, though? As you just correct. said, the connect pronunciation. <laughs> oh, I didn't. No, I didn't think I did. We'll have to. We'll have to replay the the video. But when I listened to that one from from last week, you did mispronounce I did. conversation. Yeah, I did. You said it with a Z. I think. <laughs> oh, good. Why are you guys talking like that? I was pretending I was crying. I'm just a terrible actor. <laughs> That's how you cry. It's, I'm an ugly. Oh part. my. Oh, jeez, I was crying. Ah.